You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Dave Ammons. Man, that's some good stuff right there. All right, let's go ahead and dive on in. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. Uh, I hope you're off to a great start. Uh, Here's what it says in the Bible. Here's what the scripture says. This is Luke chapter 2. Let's go ahead and dive on in. Luke chapter 2 verse 10 says this. It says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid because I bring you something. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. Okay, now this verse is set in a place called Bethlehem. Now, when we take crews of you guys over to Israel, this is one of the places that we go to. Now, for me, this is one of those places that when we went to, it absolutely did not match what I always grew up reading in the Bible, of what I thought Bethlehem was like. Bethlehem is this very quiet, quaint, rolling hills kind of a place. Uh, most of Israel is nothing but rocks, but here there's actually grass, there's caves on the hillside, okay? And so it was completely different than what I really thought uh, was Bethlehem, okay? Now, this verse, what's actually happening in this verse, Jesus had just been born, okay? So this verse gives us the aftermath because the angels appear to the shepherds that are in this town. This is a shepherd area, okay? And it says all of a sudden, on this really kind of dark and quiet night, the scene that we see here is the sky burst open, bright as can be, scares the living daylights. We know that this is a scary moment because the first words in this verse, it says, fear not, fear not, do not be afraid because I bring you good news that will cause great joy. Everybody say joy. For all of the people, not just a few, not 99% of the people, all of the people. And I think that's one of the things that I enjoy so much about the season and really what it's going to be the focus of this morning um, is this, is because I believe that people just need more joy this time of year. Why? Well, it's because it's the very reason for the season. It's the thing that Jesus came on the scene saying, listen, I've come because I have good news that will cause great joy. Now, it's, it's super fun to sing all these fun songs. I mean, we got songs like, Joy to the World. Uh, no, 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 just stop. It's, it's okay. Don't worry about it. We already got VOC. They're going to take us care of us. But it's fun to sing songs like that, right? But I think the tough thing is sometimes is that you actually have less joy this time of year more than any other. And I don't know what it is for you. I don't know all the challenges that are sitting in this room this morning. Maybe, maybe it's the uh, year after year of having unmet expectations. You build it up year after year, and year after year you get let down. And it's just not what you wanted it to be. Maybe this is a year that you uh, have experienced that major loss in your life, whatever that could be. And this is the first Christmas season that that loss is being taken place. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's the hecticness. I mean, you just literally do not have enough hours in the day. I mean, the lines are long. The kids seem whinier than ever. Your waistline is growing, and you can't figure out why, right? And it's like this Christmas storm has hit, and nobody warned you that it was coming. Well, well, here's the interesting thing is all the meanwhile, all that kind of stuff is going on in your life, you're supposed to act like you have all the joy in the world, right? Right? That's what's going on behind the scenes. Well, I think 
that actually really describes the very first Christmas season as well. You see, because there were so many expectations of life that Joseph and Mary had. I mean, go, go with me here, because if you really think about Mary and Joseph, once they got over the hurdle uh, of that they were going to have this baby, Mary wasn't actually unfaithful, right? The angel came to Mary, told him what's going on. The angel came to Joseph. So, okay, they're on the same page now. Okay, so now they understand that something really crazy awesome is going on here. But can you imagine the conversations that Mary and Joseph probably had? I mean, can, I, I can just hear Mary saying something like, Joseph, can, can you believe we... Jesus is going to be our son. I mean, we're going to have kid of the year every single year. I mean, this is going to be absolutely amazing. I mean, not only is he going to be king, but he's going to be the savior of the world, right? Can you imagine the red carpets that they're going to roll out for us? I mean, if he's not even just a king, he's the king of the whole world. Can you imagine the palace that we're going to be hanging out in, right? I can just imagine all those conversations leading up to what is this life going to be like when, as a mom and a dad, we're the parents of Jesus. I, I'm sure in their Pinterest board of life, it didn't have them riding on a donkey for miles and miles and miles, being uncomfortable. I'm sure on that board, they didn't think that they would be delivering a baby in the cold of, in the middle of the night in a dirty, stinky stable, L let alone after that having to flee to Egypt. I'm sure that just is not what they had their vision of what life's expectations were going to bring. And I think so often for us is, is that really kind of sums up our life. Our life just doesn't turn out the way that we think it's going to turn out or the way that we choose in our heads that, hey, life is going to be exactly this way. It just doesn't happen that way. Matter of fact, sometimes in modern day, life kind of turns out just like this group of people that you're getting ready to see. Give us a second to set up. You see, there's a lot of funny parts to that drama. There really is. And it was actually really fun watching y'all watch the drama. Y'all's faces were priceless on, on most of that kind of stuff. But there's also a lot of truth in that drama of the amount of pressure and the amount of weight that we put into the expectations of life. You see, the truth is, is that we do honestly need more joy right now more than ever. I mean, we, we literally live in a world that is completely opposite. I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but th this is a time period like I've never honestly seen before. It's like everybody is frustrated and ticked off at something or everything. You're like, listen, I didn't do anything. Doesn't matter. I'm ticked at you, right? A couple mornings ago, uh, it was early in the morning, and I was picking, I was getting some gas in, our, in my car. And all of a sudden, this lady rolls up, she gets out of her car, she starts pumping her gas, and then she very awkwardly kind of does this motion. And I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. Probably got a story about getting ready to happen here. Well, for the remainder of the time that I pumped my gas, she literally laid into me all the problems of the world as if I created every single one of them. Seriously. I mean, she was angry. I remember getting back in my car, I'm thinking, wow, she woke up this way. Like, that's a whole lot of anger. Like, and it's like she woke up and was like, I can't wait to see the first person because I'm going to give it to him. And I was that person. I was blown away. But I was like, Merry Christmas. This was, this, that was an experience I've never had. But what would it be like if you could find a source that, that no matter what happened to you, you would always be joyful? 
And, and, and that's really what we're going to talk about today. But I think that the reason why so many people have trouble taking Christmas or, or kind of like the bumper stickers that you see of understanding the reason for the season is that they have a misunderstanding of something. And I think the thing that we misunderstand is this difference between happiness and joy. You see, happiness is external. Joy is internal. And this, this drama so put that on a spotlight of all the things in life that we, that, that we pursue and go after. But I love how even the server said at the very end, there, oh, no, no, no you, you can't take any of this with you. This, this all stays here, right? Um, see, the thing is, is that Paul actually writes a whole lot about this, this whole process of, of happiness being external, joy being internal. Paul writes so much about this, more than anybody in Scripture. And if you were here for Thanksgiving, you heard me talk about the power of thankfulness and how he writes all about this in the book of Colossians. Okay, well, Paul does the same exact thing in the book of Philippians. Sixteen times, in fact, he talks about this word joy in four short little chapters. You see, in the midst of everything that he was going through, all the trials, the tribulations, the persecutions, the false imprisonments, the injustice that was being done to him, he writes this letter, and the dominating note throughout this entire letter is that of triumphant joy. Though his world was completely terrible, society at that time was absolutely awful, Paul was over-the-top joyful and what he was doing was he was encouraging his readers and still actually encouraging us today when we read the book of Philippians um, of this, this thing, that our outlook in life needs to be a certain way. The outlook that we are supposed to have in life is one of this impenetrable joy. And when you think about taking Christmas, I want you to think of it this way. Joy is not something that just helps you truly take Christmas, but it's also something that helps us not have Christmas taken from us or, or Christmas robbed from us. Paul starts off actually talking about this when he was writing Philippians chapter 1. He says this, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for you, I always pray with, say what? Joy. It was who he was. He couldn't help it. Paul embodied everything it is to be joyful. Well, how, how does he do this? He tells us, it's because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that should perk your ears up, here it goes, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What is he saying here? He's saying, listen, here, I'm going through some tough times. My life is less than desirable. Listen, matter of fact, I don't even know how I'm going to get out of this whole thing. And yours may be very similar to that. I don't know the challenges that you face, but you have some challenges set before you, and life is just tough. But it's not over. Because he says, he who began a good work, he who began a good work will carry it unto completion. Everybody say completion. completion. You see, I think that we need to get this deep on the inside of us this season. You know, life, it, it, it may be a challenge, but church, it's not over. It's not over. And here's the reason why is because we're not living for just today. 
We're not living for just a day because he says, not only will I carry it to completion, but I'll do it until the day of Christ Jesus. Until the day that Jesus comes back and rules on this earth forever and ever, he will. It's not that he's going to do part of the job. He's not going to start a good work in you and not complete it. His scripture and his promise tells us that he who begins a good work in you will bring it to completion. And you see this eternity thing that we're all shooting for, that one day we will spend eternity in heaven, having none of the problems, none of the woes of this world, that is what we're shooting for. This eternity that we're shooting for as a goal is much greater than where we are right now. Now, this life, okay, this life, as, as dominating, as consuming as it is, and we live in a time period of history that is pretty daggone consuming of everything that's going on, as consuming as life can be, it's only a small part of who we are. And that really should begin to shift our perspective. You see, this perspective shift happened for Paul, and it was the very reason of how he was able to handle all of the atrocities and all the hardships in his life, yet at the same time, it did not have a negative impact on his life. It was who he was. Happiness is external. It's all the things that, that, it comes and it goes, right? Happiness is external, but joy is internal. Another way to say that would be that the external did not drive Paul. Paul was actually driven by something completely different, something way more important, something way more powerful, and what he was driven by was joy. Well, they, how, how did Paul live this way? Let's read about it. 2 Corinthians tells us that exact thing. And here's what he says. He says, therefore, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Though outwardly, okay, so notice this, this external thing still. Happiness is external. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles. This is saying whatever it is that is big in your world, all the, the hardships, uh, the anxiety, all, all the things that you're, these light and momentary troubles is how he, he describes those, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And here, here's what happens. Here's what we do. So we fix our eyes, not what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, all this stuff, this is just temporary, but what is unseen is internal. And we have to understand something. If we're, when we're talking about joy, we have to understand that joy is based on Jesus and nothing else. Joy is only based on Jesus. And once we have this understanding and you start thinking about Christmas or the phrase that you really hear around cathedral a lot, which is, is taking Christmas, we're going to take Christmas, you realize this that this Christmas season, it's going to happen. Whether you want it or not, this Christmas season is going to happen. And the reality that every single one of us live through is, are we going to actually take Christmas, or is this season and our circumstances going to take Christmas for us? Potentially robbing us from truly taking Christmas and enjoying everything that God has for us in this season and this December. But you see, the awesome thing that I love about Paul is he doesn't just leave, in, leave you hanging there. Not only does he give you the what and the how, but he also gives you the secret. He gives you the secret to finding and the secret to keeping joy. Matter of fact, he, he writes it out very plainly. He goes, hey, I'm going to tell you the secret. Okay, so let's find that out. Here's what he says. This is Philippians chapter 4. 
He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances is. I, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to be in the complete opposite and have extreme plenty. Like, I, I see this massive gap. But listen, he says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether it is I'm well fed or whether I'm, well, uh, whether I'm hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or whether I'm living in want. He's saying, hey, listen, no matter whether I have it all or I have nothing at all, I have learned how to be content. I've learned how to have joy. And let me tell you, he, he, here is how you do it. This is verse number 13. The way that I do it is I can do all of this through him, through Christ, who gives me strength. And that's a popular verse, right? Philippians 4.13. That's, that's the big verse that everybody loves to put on their walls. We put it all over our Instagram, right? Uh, you'll see athletes use it. Maybe they put it on their, on their shoe or, or under their eyes if they're playing football. We use it all the time. Business people will use it. Uh, and, and, and we do this whole thing. We declare, oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yay! But you've got to understand something. This is not the context that it's being used in Scripture. Okay? The context that is being used in Scripture in this place is Paul is in prison, chained between two guards. Life is hard, right? This is a very rough season. Matter of fact, he doesn't know. There's nothing in his mind that he can think of, of how am I going to get out of this situation? There is no abilities or physical way that I can see how I'm getting out. I, this is it. And it's in that moment where he says, and I can just imagine him having a conversation with God in, in the bottom of a pit being chained between those two guards saying, God, I'm at, I'm at the end of my rope. I can't rely on myself anymore. I have to rely on you, God. And he gets to this place where he says, okay, I can do this. I, 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 I can make it out of here. How? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the context of this verse, out of the disparity of what that brings. Ultimately, Paul, later on in life, would actually die for the cause of spreading the gospel, going to his grave, saying this very famous line, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Even to his last breath, church, they could not break this internal God-given joy that Paul had. And I love that. You say, Dave, why, why in the world are you teaching us? This doesn't seem like the greatest Christmas message, right? Let me tell you why. Because over the next few weeks, some of you are going to be going through a pretty rough season. This is going to be a time of unmet expectations. For some of you, uh, this is going to be an emotional roller coaster over the next two to three weeks. I was reading a uh, couple articles recently from some sociologists and from some psychologists, and here's what they summed up basically saying, that there are more um, mental responses or mental calls that they have to respond to from Thanksgiving to Christmas than the rest of the year combined. And, and I think that's... that's telling us, hey, something is going on here. This season can be absolutely brutal for some of us. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the enemy wants to go at people more so in this time period. Here's two things that I think that I can say would be happening in your life. You know, I'd love to admit that it's not in mine, but in reality, it's, in, it's, it's all of our worlds. But one of the things that I think would be true in all of our lives is this. One is that there is a high possibility that you are 
very distracted right now. All the things of the, uh, uh, the uh, there's a lot of crap going on, right? There's a lot of parties. There's a, there's a lot of stuff in this season. There's a lot of chaos, right? And there's a high possibility that you're distracted because you're trying to figure out how to juggle all this stuff and to accomplish all this stuff. The other thing that I think, and it's a result of the first one, is that most of us are flat out exhausted, okay? And I think here's why. Actually, two words come to mind is absolute madness. It's absolute madness during this. Go go with me here. We cram 75% of all the parties that we're going to go to for an entire year in one month. Really three weeks, right? And while we're at it, let's go ahead and redecorate the entire house inside and out, right? Hey, and I'll tell you what, when we're done with that, let's go buy presents for everybody that we know, including the people that we only see once a year that we're not even sure that we like. Might as well not stop there. Let's go ahead and invite them over and act like we do like them. And since they're there, we might as well take a picture, right? Because we've got to send Christmas cards out to every single person we've ever met in this entire world, right? Oh, and on top of it, let's go ahead and let the kids out for three weeks. That's a great idea, right? And since they're out, we've got to watch every amazing Christmas movie, make every cookie that you can possibly find on Pinterest, all the meanwhile consuming 8,000 calories per day, hoping that our waistline doesn't know come January. Right? Oh, and don't forget, we got Christmas Eve service. We got to wrap all the presents. We got to get 4,000 batteries for all the presents that it go to, right? I mean, there's no wonder why we're exhausted. I'm exhausted. Just even thinking about all this kind of stuff, right? But listen to me distraction and exhaustion can cause us to misplace our hope so easily. Insert unmet expectations. And as a result, we miss out on the joy that this season truly holds. And so here's what I want to do is I want to take advantage of this Christmas moment that we, that we find ourselves this morning in. Um, and, and we're getting close to the finish line of this whole thing. But th- I, I want to take advantage of this Christmas moment by really asking you just to take a deep breath. In fact, you, want, you might want to do this. You might just say, you know what, uh, God, would you just slow me down? Lord, would you slow me down? Here's the reason why. Is I just believe that there's only a few moments where you can slow down enough to really think about the meaning of Christmas. These weekend services, I believe, are one of those few. But we will have those moments, and I think we need to capitalize on those moments when we do actually slow down and begin to think about the meaning of Christmas. And I really pray that God in these last few minutes can get your attention, that we we can really seize this moment where we can lay down all of the distractions, all the things that are weighing us down, all the challenges, and that this truly could be a turning point. You see, I had one of these moments recently, uh, this was a a, a while back, where I had just this realization that you can put so much into expectations, but sometimes it's the simple stuff that means the most. This aha moment for me happened uh, when my wife, Macy, and I were decorating our house. And we took the Christmas tree out of the box, left the box, we moved the box over to the side in the living room, and there was an empty Christmas tree box. And it's in this moment that I'm so glad that Macy picked up her camera and she captured this moment. Take a look at this. Where's the boys? Boys! Where are you boys? Where are y'all? Boys!
<laughs> you see, my favorite part about that is seeing how excited that they were seeing the smiles on their face. And here's what proceeded for six hours after that, they played in that box better than any present that I got them that Christmas, right? But it highlighted something for me. It highlighted how much we put effort and time into gifts and the different things in life that just really honestly don't matter. And sometimes you just have this simple realization, kids are just simple sometimes. And I, I think that it actually reminds me of why Jesus may encouraged us in Luke chapter 18 to say something like this where he said, I want you to receive the kingdom of God a certain way. I want you to receive the kingdom of God as little kids. Ah, I think I get it. I think, I think that's starting to make a little bit more sense now. But as as we go along in our journey and as we become adults and we get more responsibility and all this kind of stuff happens, at some point along the journey, we begin to lose a little bit of the joy of Christmas. And at some point, we're starting to search for this fulfillment thing. It's kind of like what Pastor Mike said last week in service where he said there's, this, there's a hole inside of us. And the quicker that we can realize that that hole is a God-shaped hole, because he's the only one that can fill that thing that's inside of us. But yet we start this, this search for fulfillment. And it's a part of human nature of, of, let me say it this way, it's actually a part of the fallen human nature to pour ourselves into things that truly just don't matter. Or, or like, again, like that drama where it just, it won't go in past this lifetime that we're living. You see, as kids, that kind of stuff is cute. Sometimes annoying, but still cute, right? But as adults, that brought into adulthood, that brought into a marriage, that brought into a career, and so on and so on. Guys, it's heartbreaking. And it's filled with so much disappointment. This, this endless search for more, this, this trying to find happiness, and oh, I just, if I can just go to this next level, if I can just do this, oh, I thought it was gonna be this, it didn't really work out there, so let me come over here and see if I can just. Search for that next thing that may or may not bring me happiness. And before long, and as fast as this, the years are going, what's happened to us is you find yourself at the end of 2021, and you still haven't found what you're looking for. Another year gone by. But see, the interesting thing is this isn't new. Mankind has been searching for this thing for a very long time, seeking this exact thing, in fact, the earliest people that we can find doing this is the wise men. The wise men, it says in Matthew chapter 2, it actually outlines the story of this, and it simply just says this, that Jesus was born into Bethlehem in Judea when Herod was king. And after Jesus' birth, the wise men came from the east, arrived in Jerusalem, and here's what they asked. They asked, where is the one who was born to be the king of the Jews? We saw his star rising, and we have come to worship him. Now, I want you to notice something because we don't typically add this into the Christmas story. Now, we know there was at least three wise men because what? there was three gifts. What scholars actually think is that uh, wise men traveled with entourages. They wouldn't have been coming by themselves. And there's actually hundreds of people in their entourage with them, even some who say thousands of people were with them. And you got to get a fuller and more, uh, a better context of who these wise men are. You see, the wise men, they come from the Persian Empire, the Persian kingdom, Right? the wise men had all the power in the world that they want. They were at the same time period as the Roman Empire. 
And everything that you know about the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire feared the Persians. They had all this power. They had all the prestige that they could ever want. I mean, who do you know could immediately get an audience with the king without question and unannounced? That's pretty something special that you could just walk into the nation and expect to have a meeting with the president. That just doesn't happen, but yet that's exactly what they did. They came in and said, we want to meet with King Herod. All right, cool, come on, let's go. And they got immediately, they had all the prestige that they wanted. They also had all the money that they really could want in the world. They had everything, all of this stuff, but yet they were still looking for something more. As if to almost say that none of that stuff mattered. What they were looking for was a baby. They were looking for something more. And I think many of us are the same way, is that we have all this stuff around us in our lives that just clutter and all this stuff, and we're still looking for something more. And can I tell you that you're not going to find it in anything other than Jesus. May God, the source of hope, Scripture says, the source of your joy, He will fill you with joy. He's going to be the source of your peace through your faith in Him. Then you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, Romans 15 says. You see, the Bible clearly states that God is the source of all your hope. God is the source of all of your joy. And we stated earlier that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, how does he give us that strength? Nehemiah chapter 8 gives us a little bit of that insight. 8 verse 10 says this, that the joy that we've been talking about, that's the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In closing, let me say this, and I think that it'll bring it all kind of together. As I wrote this line down, as I was preparing for you guys this weekend, is that the joy that I have, the joy that I have is not dependent on my happiness. It's not dependent on all the external things that I can fill myself with, all the great things that this world can offer. My joy is not dependent on my happiness. It's dependent on one thing. It's dependent on my walk with the Lord. It's dependent on my relationship with this baby right here. It's dependent on this person and this person alone. But don't take my word for it. You can, you, can, you can see what John says. This is Jesus talking to us. John chapter 15 says this. Listen, I've told you all of this. I've told you this so that you will be as joyful as I am. That's a possibility? That I could, I could really be as joyful as him? Wow. And he doesn't even stop there. He says, not only will you be as joyful as I am, but your joy will be complete. In other words, your life, your hope, your joy, your place, none of that is complete without Jesus. He is the source. You see, this Christmas, you got to make sure that you're running to the source. Don't make the mistake this Christmas to run towards something or someone that's not Jesus and expect to receive what only Jesus can do. He's the only one that can give it to you. Last year, uh, we were out, we were having a family function, and one of my boys, one of the twins got hurt. I think it was Stetson. And he did what most kids do when they get hurt. What do they do? They get hurt, they scream, they cry, and they run towards... Mommy or daddy, okay? So he comes over, and he does exactly that. He runs, wraps his arm around this incredibly handsome guy. It ended up being my brother. 
right? And then it, a few moments went by, and as he was hugging my brother's legs, trying to get that comfort that, that, that he longed for, he, he realized something. He realized, oh, this isn't as much muscle as I'm used to. <laughs> ah! You know, and so he runs off, right? That's, that's what he did. What was he looking for? He, he, he went to the wrong source. He was looking for his dad and to do what only us as parents can do, which is to bring that comfort. Some of us are doing the exact same thing. We're running to something that looks like Jesus, but it's not Jesus. Luke chapter 2 says this. It tells us, hey, listen, the angel said, hey, don't be afraid. Fear not. I have good news. I have a message that is going to fill every single person in this world. Not just Jerusalem, not just Israel. It's going to fill every person in the world with joy. Because today, a Savior, Christ the Lord, was born. Not a lot of fanfare. He came in the dark of night. I don't think that's a coincidence that he came in a dark world, born in the middle of the night to a dirty place. A place that probably didn't smell the greatest, cold. But that right there, church, that's the source. You see, there's nothing that is going to take his place. He is the answer to everything that you need. Everything that you could possibly want this season is found right here. And can I leave you with this lasting remark? Every single time you run to him, I want you to get this picture that he is so excited to receive you. And I just want you to get the picture of whatever the happiest moment you've ever had in Christmas. Waking up just so excited to see what you got and all the just fun things. Every time we run to him, that's what he's doing to you. He is so excited because he knows the impact. Every time we draw close to him, he comes close to us, gives us that joy that only he can give. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, thank you so much for this season. Lord, what you did 2,021 years ago absolutely revolutionized this entire world. It flipped everything on its head. It flipped the whole script. He came for one person, which was to fill every single person in this world with joy because you had a message that was so different. Father, this Christmas, Father, this December, would you meet us in that moment, the same moment that you were coming to invade this earth? You had a story to tell, and you're not done telling it. Father, you know the journeys that are sitting in this room. You know the challenges you know the difficulties that are sitting in these chairs this morning. Father, would you meet us right there? And Father, I just ask for your anointing now to fall over this church, to fall over every person that hears my voice. You may be sitting at home and just saying, yeah, ah, I just don't know if I can take Christmas this year. Can I tell you that's a lie from the enemy? He's the one that wants to rob your Christmas. Jesus wants to bring Christmas to you. He wants to fill you with so much joy.
Father, would you allow this to be the moment, that it's a turning point moment where we can understand, hey, when we have a relationship with you, every moment that we, we have those devotion moments, every moment that we get in worship and get in your presence, it's there where you meet us. And so, Father, I just ask for your blessing this year that we get a little bit quicker at running to the one and only true source, and that's you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before you go, would it be okay if we took Christmas? Let's take some Christmas. I want you to enjoy this song that is actually from our second grade class at Cathedral. And I think what it does is it wraps up kind of everything that we talked about today. And after the song, they'll dismiss you. But Cathedral, Merry Christmas. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.